Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChumpaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. You're listening to the Red Sea Podcast, part of the Over the Monster Network. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Hosted by Jake Devereaux. It's gone. It's in the bullpen. This game is tied. This game is tied. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. And featuring Keaton DeRocher. It's a grand slam. I'm telling you. Welcome back to episode number 185 of the Red Seat Podcast. Uh, This is Matt Collins. I am with you today back, unfortunately for me, with Jake. Jake, what's going on? Uh, you know nothing. I was uh, I was hoping to get a warmer response than that, but you know I I guess uh, that's that's what I'm dealing with. Yeah, that was dumb of you. I don't know why you would have thought that. Um, Yeah, I do have to say I think I just nailed that intro. That was probably the best I've ever done. But uh, we are coming to you on Monday, as always, like it's Tuesday for you, Monday for us. Uh, it is an off day in the World Series. Have you been watching? Uh, I've been watching bits and pieces. Um, i got to be honest, I'm not a very good uh, watcher of other teams other than the Red Sox. Um, I tend to, once the Red Sox are over, try and spend my time uh, doing other things other than baseball, but I can't resist the allure of watching at least some of it yeah that's fair i actually kind of expect that to me be but i've been uh i've been surprisingly intrigued by everything that's happening and as much as i hate the rays i do i kind of reject the idea that they're not fun to watch i very much want them to lose but i enjoy enjoy watching them play i enjoy watching manuel Margot uh try to steal home how are you in, in, in dealing with the fact that everybody calls them this really likable, plucky upstart? Oh, I don't. I don't. I, I've been pretty much staying off Twitter anyway, so I haven't really heard it. And I've been putting the game on mute and listening to okay. like, music and stuff, so I haven't had to deal with anything except my own thoughts. What What do you think about Randy or Rosarena? I like Randy or Rosarena. I feel like it's hard not to like Randy or Rosarena. Yeah, I've been having a lot of fun watching him. He's, he's, he's been my favorite part of the playoffs. Yeah, he's definitely been up there. I would probably say the entire Braves my favorite, but uh, Rosarina is fun. 
But we are not talking about Randy or Rosarena, thankfully, because I would probably hang up. Uh, instead, we're talking about the joy that is the Boston Red Sox. And we are going to start with the manager search. There's finally been a little bit of traction here. Um, first few weeks after the season ended and Ron Renneke was officially let go, nothing was really happening. Uh, it kind of seemed like it was Alex Cora, and they weren't really going to do anything else. Uh, but in the past week or so, we've learned that they interviewed seven candidates. They interviewed Will Venable, Luis Urueta, Don Kelly, Mike Bell, Skip Shoemaker, James Rousen, and Carlos Mendoza. Um, none of those guys have experience, but do any of them stand out to you even a little bit? Obviously, we don't know a ton about them, but any names stand out? Um, I, I think the one that stands out the most is Will Venable, um, just because I remember watching him as a player, um, and Will Venable's name being mentioned as a managerial candidate makes me feel quite old. Um, so that is a little strange. Uh, and then just listening to you talk about how his reputation is around the game uh, makes me intrigued, but you know, I don't want to pretend like I know a ton about any of these candidates because, um, you know, it's hard enough keeping it up with the ins and outs of just the Red Sox, let alone like bench coaches for other teams and, you know, third base coaches and whatever else, first base coaches. Um, so I, I can't pretend to know a ton about the managerial skills that any of these guys have, but Will Venable is at least intriguing um, in terms of what you've said about players really liking him and um, that that kind of reputation with Will Venable is that, you know, he, he does have the potential to be a really good manager. Yeah. Venable's been like on the managerial track basically since he stopped playing, which kind of surprised me. You're talking about this a little bit off air. I don't really remember Will Venable being, really anything of note during his playing days. Um, I feel like usually we hear these guys, it's like, oh, this guy's definitely going to be a manager someday. Uh, but Venable kind of slid under the radar for his whole career. But yeah, he's had that reputation. Um, the guy that makes me feel old is probably Skip Shoemaker because I feel like he just retired like two years ago. Um, apparently he's yeah. already a manager of <laughs> Grandy. But uh, I think Luis Urueta, I, I definitely am with you in that I'm not going to say who's a better candidate than any of the other ones, but I think Urueta stands out the most to me. Um, big part of that is that he interviewed with them in January, too, so this is the second time. They've interviewed him in the last, like, 12 months or so. Um, and he has... He has a lot of coaching experience for somebody so young. He didn't really play very long. I think his playing career lasted, like, five years in the minors or something like that. Uh, so he's been coaching for a while. He's been through a lot of different levels. He coached, uh, or he managed, I should say, the Colombian national team in their first World Baseball Classic appearance. So he has some of that sort of semi-big stage experience. Red Sox liked him enough in the first interview to bring him back, which leads me to believe he's at least a decent candidate. Um, I also very much like that on his Wikipedia page, uh, they refer to him as a former soccer goalkeeper without mentioning that hmm. he was a professional baseball player. Uh, he was a soccer goalkeeper until he was like 14. And apparently that hmm. was more interesting to Wikipedia, whoever wrote his Wikipedia page than the <laughs> fact that he played professional baseball. Um, Seems like a missed opportunity there. Yeah, I mentioned that when he, they, they first interviewed him back in January, and then I checked back and nothing got changed. So... Uh, they're yeah. sticking with it. But yeah, so I think beyond the soccer stuff, um, Ruetta, if I had to pick a favorite out of this group, I guess it would have to be him just because he's interviewed twice. Like you said, mm -hmm. none of us really know anything about any of these guys. Yeah, I mean, he's not a 2020 guy like Will Venable, so I guess that's a little bit of a knock on him. He's not a 0-0 guy. <laughs> he didn't even make the majors. <laughs> there you go. Um, yeah, I, I have to say, though, when I was looking over these names and doing like a little bit of research before we got on the show, he was the one that stood out to me the most outside of Will Venable um, because of that experience. I didn't actually know that he had interviewed twice, but, um, you know, just looking at 
generally the type of manager um, that I want for this team. It's somebody who has the ability to speak multiple languages and somebody who's young and somebody who understands the game and has managerial experience. And the thing that stood out to me with him, uh, Uroeda as a candidate, was just that it seemed like he had a bit more experience than the other uh, guys on this list. And you know that coupled with the bilingual nature of of his abilities uh was you know intriguing to say the least yeah i think uh rousen rosen james rosen um he is the bench coach for the marlins right now he sort of fits the bill in terms of having a lot of different experience he's another guy who kind of started coaching early so while he's relatively young he has more experience than these guys that played until they were in their mid to late 30s he has been he served a bunch of different roles both in the minors and majors throughout his coaching career um so he's another one of those guys and i think the thing that pretty clearly stands out about all of these guys that they've interviewed is that they're all young for a manager none of them are older than 45 um which is pretty startling especially coming after ron renicky um and none of them obviously have managed at the major league level. So does that signal anything to you, both in terms of the Alex Cora-sized elephant or just anything else about what they're thinking right now? I think it definitely signals to me that they want somebody like Cora. Um, whether that's Cora or whether it's one of these guys, I think they see that their best team is with somebody who's younger and energetic and maybe a little bit more receptive to um, analytics and just maybe a little bit more of an energetic communicator. Um, And that was kind of my favorite thing about having Cora here is it just seemed like he had great relationships with all of the players. Um, He even had very different relationships as we've talked about in the past and seemed to know what buttons to push for guys. And uh, I, I think that Younger managers seem to be willing to take more risks in that regard. Um, And I just generally think that for a team that does hope to turn it around relatively soon and a team that I think we all kind of expect to contend by 2022, 2023, um, you want to start forming that foundation. There's a lot of, you know, good prospects coming up for the Red Sox in the high minors, guys like Casas, guys like Duran, Jeter Downs, um, and I think you want the next manager to be somebody who can relate to those younger players as well and as as the, you know, as well as the veterans on the team. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, some somewhat wild, I guess, speculation that I've been kind of mulling over with these names is I wonder I can't get past the fact that I still feel like it's going to be Alex Cora and so the only if that were true so I guess I'll say the only reason you would really interview I guess this many candidates is either it's not Alex Cora or maybe you're looking for a bench coach for Alex Cora Um, and it sort of kind of gives you that I mean when Cora was first Hired, they brought in Renicki as the bench coach because Cora didn't have the experience. Now that Cora has the experience, I don't know that Renicki wants to come back. He said he might come back to be Cora's bench coach. I don't know if that would happen. So I wonder if they're kind of hoping one of these guys fills in that role. I don't know. I don't know how likely that is, especially since a few of them are already bench coaches. I don't know that they would. I mean, their teams probably wouldn't let them make that jump. But that, I mean, I just, I don't know why you would interview guys like this if it was Cora. Yeah, I don't know that it is definitely Cora. Um, my impression of this was, I guess, a little bit different. I think you're asking a lot of Heim Bloom in his first stint as a, you know, in charge of all baseball operations here. Um, whatever his title is these days, I, I always want to call him GM, but I know they all have fancier... That yeah, very that very real front office position we all know and love. <laughs> yeah, I'm just gonna call him the chief, Chief Bloom. Um, 
you know, his his job is tied to the performance of the product on the field. I think is is fair to say for all people in his position, and for him to, um, you know, enter this agreement with with some gentleman's agreement that Cora would be the guy once he comes back from his suspension. I think always felt to me a little bit unlikely, but I do think that the organization is urging him to take a hard look at Cora because he had success and because of how they felt about Cora. And I also think that Bloom is going to do his full homework and make sure that if he's going to hitch his wagon to a guy like Cora, he wants to be sure that Cora is in fact the better manager than any of the other candidates who he would normally go out and and look at. So I think he's just being very thorough because that's a whole hell of a lot of trust to put in a guy who wasn't originally your guy. Yeah, that probably makes more sense than anything I said. Um, speaking of other people that might be better for the job or who he might think might be better for the job, uh, Matt Quattroro was kind of seen as the non-Alex Cora favorite when all of this started. Uh, I know that I believe that to be true, uh, the Rays bench coach. Um, he is not, or he is off limits for Heim Bloom and the Red Sox. Uh, this is from a report from Sean McAdam. Uh, he reported that Bloom cannot bring anybody over from the Rays until after next season. Uh, so, hmm. I mean, that seems like a big blow to me. Yeah, yeah, that's really... Uh... That was really interesting, and I listened to the pod that you and Shelly did when you guys both uh, were all about Quartaro or Quartraro or however it said. Um, and, and I agreed that, uh, you know, I agreed in my car while I was listening to it, uh, that he seemed to be the name that made the most sense from outside. So I think that's, that this is sort of a, a wrench in what everybody thinks and if anything it just adds a little bit more uncertainty to this whole thing you know none we've mentioned like none of these candidates are stand out you know like not that they're not good candidates it's just none of them are you know that big name that you're kind of like oh that's the guy other than Cora who still has that whole factor of like do you really want to bring this guy back thing hanging over his, his candidacy so it's kind of weird yeah, the Quattraro thing definitely, it definitely throws us for a loop, but this isn't something the team wasn't aware of. I guess the biggest, yeah. my biggest takeaway from this is how did we get this long without finding out these specifics? Yeah, that is kind of weird. That seems like something that should have been known, like, the day Bloom got brought on, like, hey. Yeah, there, <laughs> you know. there was talk of that. I mean, they had mentioned that he had some restrictions on bringing people over from there, but I think it was generally assumed that that only lasted the first year. That's usually how those things work. Um, so I'm kind of surprised that it went two years and they're gonna they could keep a bench coach from getting a promotion like that. It's it's very surprising to me. But again, this is something that obviously Bloom and the Red Sox had been aware of since the start. So this is just news to us, not to them. Yeah. Um, all right, so last thing on the manager. Uh, does any of this affect your feeling on Cora getting the job? What, do you, what are your feelings, very quickly, on like chances that he's going to get hired? At this point, I'd say I'm 50-50. Um, when I talked about this with Keaton a couple weeks ago, I think I was like 55-45. These additional candidates make me feel 50-50. Yeah, I think I'm more. I think I think I think it's gonna happen. I'm probably like sixty forty. You think it's gonna happen for Coral? Yeah, I don't really have mm. any reason behind just beyond just like a gut feel. That's just kind of how I'm thinking. I don't really want it to happen, but I think it's going to. And uh, part of me is gonna be excited because I do think he is a good manager. I just think they should go in a different direction. Well, let's each of us pick our non cora candidate from each of these. I already said. I, would, I think it's a be your choice. Okay, I, I will go with. I'll go with Venable. Yeah, that's fair. I still think Hensley Hensley Mullins. I wish they would interview him. I really, I really just want him to get a job somewhere. Um, but it's not he must be a brutal interview. Yeah. they keep interviewing this guy, and he keeps not getting jobs. Yeah, it's, it's weird. It's very strange. Everybody loves the guy, but he can't get a managerial job. Ah, that's a discussion for another day. Yeah. Uh so 
beyond manager news, Red Sox also made a bunch of roster moves over the last few days, uh, trying to clean up that 40-man roster before the offseason starts. Uh, so six players were taken off the roster over the last few days. Domingo Tapia was claimed off waivers by the Mariners. Uh, Zuwei Lin and Robinson Lair cleared waivers and were outrighted to AAA, which is now Worcester, not Pawtucket, something that will take me at least a year to get used to saying. Um, and then Mike Kickham, Zach Godley, and Andrew Triggs declined their assignments to AAA, and they will become free agents. Any of that of note to you? Um, so the the guys being uh, free agents, the the Kickham, Godley, Triggs crew, um, no feelings at all about that. Um, I'm I expected those guys to be gone. I was hoping that they could sneak Sue Whalen, um back to the minors, and I'm really excited about that. Not because Sue Whalen is some game changer, but um, just because I like his defense, I like his versatility, and you, there are worse emergency players that you could have. Um, and minor league depth is just something that I think over the last three years, the Red Sox have just sorely lacked that type of depth. So uh, I think that's great. And Robinson Lair um, is somebody who has just insane stuff. So um, keeping a guy with insane stuff on the roster is great. And I think it's honestly, it speaks to how horrible his control is that with that stuff, no one claimed him because you just can't hide a guy like that on a major league roster. He's just, um, he is, he is wild very wild yeah i agree i mean there's really no there's never any harm in keeping these guys in the minors they're not taking up a roster spot it's not like it was going to cost the organization any money that we have to care about um so i agree having those guys better than not um i thought tapia <clears throat> was interesting i was kind of hoping he would be able to somehow squeeze through the off season and come back um I was very surprised with how much I liked what he brought to the table. Um, I never really understood why he was at the alternate site to begin with, but once I saw him in the majors, I kind of got it. So um, I I don't think it's any sort of major loss. I don't think we're going to be looking back in five years and being like, oh my god, what were they doing? Uh, but I think, he is, I think he's the best out of these six players to, so like, guess it makes sense that he was the only one that any other team showed any interest in yeah he's got a sick fastball but that that command with him is still just so so bad. yeah i mean it's not great he's he's a little bit older too he's almost 30. like 29 yeah, he's almost 30 yeah. but again i mean we're talking about bottom of the roster players uh but with so with all of those moves and with jackie bradley becoming a free agent when the offseason starts and injured players needing to be put it back on the roster. Once all sort of the dust dust settles, uh, the roster will be at an even 40 when the offseason officially gets started, which means that more moves are going to have to be made. I mean, we've talked a bunch on this podcast about the six players that they'll have to protect from the Rule 5 draft, and then they're also going to have to have roster spots, obviously, for any additions that they bring in through free agency, um, which is all to say that there's going to be a bunch more of these sort of boring bottom of the roster guys that are taken off the 40 man. So anyone like, who do you think is going to be in this next wave? I think the, the most logical, um, and I guess I'll, I'll rank, rank them in order of how they should come off. In my opinion, I think Matt Hall is first to get chopped. Um, after him, I would chop Dylan Covey, um, followed by Robert Stock. Um, probably after him, I'd go Kyle Hart, um, Marcus Walden, then Jeffrey Springs. And I'm going all pitchers because, honestly, that is the area that I see the most uh, room to trim. And after that, I might start looking, taking some hard looks at some of these position guys like C.J. Chatham or Marcus Wilson, who they don't seem to 
Well, I don't know how they feel about Marcus Wilson. I don't feel good about Marcus Wilson uh, long term, but they seem to really hate Chatham, so I wouldn't be surprised if that is another uh, casualty. So you missed the most obvious one. Oh, who did I miss? Jose Peraza. Oh, yes. I didn't think yeah, of him. I kind of yes, forgot that he's even yeah. on the roster anymore. Yeah, so he's an obvious I, one. <laughs> yeah, he was done in my yeah. brain. <laughs> uh, still has to officially be non-tendered, but yeah, he's he's not there. Uh, I think Cesar Pueyo <laughs> can probably go. Um, yeah, If he had options, maybe it would be a little more interesting because they just still don't have – they still kind of lack that whole field depth, but he's out of options, so there's really no reason to keep him on the 40-man. Um, I think I would have Kyle Hart ahead of Stock on the chopping block. Do you just like Stock's Twitter personality? <laughs> I do like his Twitter personality. I think there's some interesting <laughs> – stuff there and he's had i mean he's been good before listen i'm not gonna say like he's he's definitely on the chopping block and if he doesn't make it he doesn't make it that's not gonna be a huge surprise but i i don't in the very i've seen kyle hart i always kind of liked kyle hart but i was always worried about how his stuff played in the majors i have zero faith that that stuff's playing in the majors no so no chance um it's more just not liking hard as a pitcher than liking stock i do like jeffrey springs i think springs is a guy i would try to keep um i think he was much better than his numbers looked i think yohan ibar could be a guy that gets taken off um interesting circumstances screwed him this year because they has they had all these pitchers i mean this was supposed to be a big prove it year for him yeah. He didn't get to pitch at the alternate side because they had all these pitchers that they had to make room for. And then because he's on the 40-man, he's not allowed to go to instructs. So he just mm, hasn't been around yeah. the team for an entire year. And that sucks for him. It's totally unfair, but I think that could play against him. Is he Is he rule... He would be rule 5 eligible if they had to remove yeah, that's, him. Yeah, I mean, that's why he was put on the roster in the first he, he would... He would get claimed in half a second. You think so? Yeah. I lefties that throw that hard. Yeah, maybe. It's just so interesting. Maybe, but I mean, I think this is where the roster crunch comes in. So I don't think he would be. He certainly wouldn't be at the top of my list, but I would have him in that CJ Chatham, Marcus Wilson zone. Would you rather keep around Jeffrey Springs than you want Ibar? Yeah. Interesting. Okay. I think Jeffrey Springs so what did is you solid. S- what did you like about him? I'm just curious because I, I only got a couple looks at him and I didn't like him when I saw he him. He missed more so. bats than I was expecting. I kind of thought he was going to be um, one of these, I mean, like every other pitcher they had. He actually had yeah. some solid strikeout stuff. Um, I think he got shelled when he first came up. But after he settled in for a little while, he was like a solid, like, two-inning sort of swing man. And he has options next year, and I think that has to play a big factor. Um, I just... I don't really... I was never super sold on Yohan Ibar. And so I don't really... I don't know that I'm going to buy into all this promise for a 24-year-old former outfielder who hasn't pitched above high A. When I'm well, well, let's not let's not make him twenty four. He's twenty three. He's got like almost a whole year right, to go. Twenty three, same thing. <laughs> um, so I mean, I mean, I obviously get the appeal for a guy who throws like that, but and has command issues. But I've seen enough of those guys that I've sort of burnt out on him. I guess. I totally get that. I mean, you're right that Jeffrey Springs' present stuff is is probably more major league ready. The change up from Springs oh, I mean, there's no doubt that he's can actually be a, he's pitching the majors. So. Yeah, it's it's a very good pitch um, when it's working. I think the fastball is just very hittable still, and you know the slider isn't anything special. Um, so I guess you're picking like I think 
Yuan Ibar's ceiling is obviously quite a bit higher. Uh, well, or I, I think it's yeah. obvious no, that his ceiling is higher. Um, but Springs, Springs could potentially be a like very very mid pack uh, reliever to me. I don't think he has any late inning potential. No, I, he's like a he's like the fifth or sixth guy in the bullpen. But I'm yeah. pretty confident he can be that next year. I don't think Ivar could be that for another couple years. And his ceiling, I think, is like a seventh inning guy. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't, and with a ton of risk there, I don't think the likelihood of him hitting his ceiling is particularly high. So I'd rather take a risk on the guy who can hit his ceiling because I feel like I can go out and find another Jeffrey Springs in no time. Yeah, I just. I don't like that line of thinking. I've seen it too many times. <laughs> I, we've been dealing yeah. with that at second base for like five years now. We've been dealing with that in the bullpen for a while. It's like, oh, you can find these guys. So, I mean, where are they? I don't know, man. That was that was your philosophy, though. With uh, it was with my bo- with my boy um, Martin Perez. You think you can find a better guy there? I mean, I don't know. Like, we got to use this philosophy with relievers too. Yeah, I mean that's fair. I just, I guess I, maybe I am lower on you know, on Ibar than other people, and I guess he, I mean maybe he is more likely to get taken in the Rule Five draft than I'm thinking, which would complicate things. Um, but I mean ultimately, this is sort of the roster crunch we've been talking about. You have to decide between these very, very middling options. And at the end of the day, I will not be melting yeah. down if either of them get taken off the roster. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. No, I will lose zero sleep over any of these. But we have to also like preface this by saying we're talking about by far the most fungible asset in the game in fringe relief pitching. Yeah. Maybe you since know. they're lefties, they're not quite the most fungible, but... They're close. close, Yeah, yeah, I mean, it is what it is. And I think, I mean, I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but I think they would, these guys are probably what, like sixth, seventh, eighth or so on the list you just laid out somewhere in that range. Yeah. So there's names I don't know. Yeah, for sure. All right, so that is the bottom of the roster. Like I said, we'll be forced into talking about more of these guys as the offseason goes on. Uh, But for the next sort of segment, I want to focus on players that people actually care about. Um, So for all of these players, for one reason or another, may or may not be part of the roster next year. There are obviously some guys, Andrew Bogarts, Rafael Devers, Alex Verdugo, who have like a 99.9% chance of playing for the Red Sox in 2021. There's some more question what the guys are going to talk about. So we're just going to rate each of these guys 1 to 10, 1 being the lowest, 10 being the highest, on their likelihood of playing for the Red Sox at any point next year. So some of these guys, um, that means either going to be in the roster opening day, but some of the other guys, it means will we see them by the end of the year. And uh, we'll start with J.D. Martinez. Uh, I will give him a 9 on being being here next year. Uh, I think he's going to be very difficult to move, and I don't think they'd get much for him. And they might even have to pay some money to get rid of him. So I don't think that that's worth it to them. I think it's much more worth it to see if he rebounds and 
if he gains value and you still want to sell him uh, at the trade deadline, I think that is much more the move than getting rid of him now. Yeah, I think I agree. I would go a little bit lower, maybe like a 7 or an 8, pending a decision on the universal DH. Um, I think it becomes a little more interesting if you have the whole league to trade with right now it's looking like it's going to go back to the NL having pitchers hit at least for next season which would make it even more likely that he stays but yeah his market is kind of confusing I think the Red Sox would like to get that money off the books but I think you're right I don't think anybody is going to be taking on that money unless they have to give up pretty much literally nothing really what this comes down to is whether or not the Mets will be involved yeah, especially with their new owner. Seriously. And and I could also see teams giving J.D. Martinez a bit of a pass, considering how video-reliant he is. You know, and also considering, like, even though the money seems like kind of a big deal on this club, uh, considering where they are in their competition window... J.D. Martinez, in the grand scheme of things, isn't making that much money for the type of return that he could actually provide to a team. I think that's normally true. I don't think this isn't going to be a normal offseason. Yeah, that's fair. Teams are going to be even more wary of adding that kind of money, especially with the uncertainty. I think you're right that J.D. Martinez would probably get that pass most years, but I think teams would be looking for more excuses, I guess, not to invest the money. And they have a pretty good one with J.D. Martinez's 77 WRC Plus last year. Mm -hmm. Alright, next up is uh, Andrew Benintendi. I'm going to give him a 4. I think this is the player who I think is most in need of a change of scenery. Um, I would bet Bloom has his own opinions on Andrew Benintendi, uh, and I still I still believe that Andrew Benintendi is a very attractive player around the league, and especially when you look at the list of free agent outfielders this year, there really aren't that many very good ones. Um, we're really looking at like Ozuna and Springer as being the top of the market. Brantley too. Um, yeah, yeah, Brantley's definitely up there, but you know, all those players are 30 or about to be over 30 and have some question about or or have some question, I should say, about their ability to play the outfield. And it's not like Benintendi is an amazing outfielder, but like he can be a very strong left fielder um when he's going right. And I just think that his value the Red Sox are going to be able to get creative and find find something to do with Andrew Benintendi. I am going to say a six. I think I'm less less optimistic about what the trade market for Benintendi would be. I don't think there's I don't think it's like a dead market. I think teams will definitely be interested. I don't know that the Red Sox are going to trade him unless they get something good back. And I don't think I don't know that any team's going to offer anything more than something okay. Um, I think the move would probably be to wait as the offseason goes along. Um, and then if you trade him, you can you can wait to trade him, I should say, to whoever doesn't get like Brantley or Springer or Ozuna or whatever. But the flip side of that is the Red Sox then need to replace him. And those right. options are gone. So I think it's a little complicated that way. I don't. I think he's been trending down long enough that teams aren't going to want to give up anything too crazy for him. And I think I just I don't see the Red Sox trading him unless they get something better than I think they're going to get. Hmm. Yeah, that's a valid concern. I think the move, Uh, and I don't really have anybody in mind off the top of my head, but just generally the move would probably be to find the pitcher version of Andrew Benatendi if such a person exists. Yeah, and I'm sure that said pitcher does exist, or many, Benny do. Um, he just he strikes me as a guy who needs to get the hell out of here. Yeah, I mean i I think I would not. I like Andrew Benatendi. I I think he's a good player still, um, but I agree that he 
probably needs to move on, and I think the Red Sox wouldn't be it wouldn't be terrible for the Red Sox to trade Benintendi and then go get Brantley or Ozuna. Yeah, I'd love I that. would be I would be a okay with that, but it's easier said than done trading Benintendi. Keaton and I both had him going to Cincinnati last week, which I don't know how possible that really is, but he's from there, which always. Yeah, well, uh, good chance Casty is uh, not re-signing with that team, so you know need to refill that spot. Yeah, I had Senzel. Obviously, there would be need to, need to be more with Benintendi to make that work. That was sort of my framework. It's interesting. Yeah. Uh, all right. So next is Michael Chavis. Um, two. And the reason I say two is that I think that even if Chavis is not traded, I don't think he will be on the roster. Ever? Uh, no. I don't think he makes sense as a bench piece. I don't think... That's I don't ludicrous. Really think not, that, not that he doesn't make sense as a bench piece, that he wouldn't play at all. Then he would spend the whole season in the minors. Somebody would get hurt. He would he would get his way up to the majors. I, all right. Well, okay. I don't think he's. I don't think he will. I don't think he will be on the opening twenty six man roster. He may play if he stays in the organization. Well, that's the game, Jake. I think they want to get him more at bats and try and fix his holes because his holes are his hole. I should say is just so apparent to everybody. Yeah, I think I am with you. I don't know if I'd go quite as low as two, but I'm in that same range. I think he makes a ton of sense as like a third, a second or third piece in a trade this winter because um, I don't think he's getting a ton by himself, but he could be intriguing enough that he could add a little bit of value on top of a framework. The only thing is that... I don't know if they're gonna. I don't know what their plan is at second base, and I think if they're gonna do the whole what you were sort of talking about, what we were talking about before with you can find somebody. I I have a feeling that might be their strategy at second base and be like between Arroyo and Chavis and Munoz or whatever they'll be able to find somebody. And putting aside my absolute detestment for that basic idea, I think if that is the plan then I think they'll want to keep Chavis just because he's one more body that can play there. I think that's his best best path to playing time, which is not a ringing endorsement at this point. Yeah, that's fair. I don't like the plan of let's just find a guy when it comes to a starting spot on your roster. Uh, I think that that is generally bad business. The only time I, I am okay with the we can find a guy strategy is in the middle range of the bullpen where I think people do find guys every year um and and pitching i just think is so much more fluid but yeah like expecting one of the three mediocre guys on your roster to fill that position as well as going out to get a guy like astrubal cabrera or something is just crazy to me i well I, my biggest issue with the plan is that if what they when there's three guys it could take you five months before the guy who ends up being good actually gets into that spot and then, also, it hurts your roster construction because you're carrying three guys. Well, Chavis who, would probably would likely be starting the minors in that scenario. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, I I agree. It, it is not a great strategy, and I hope they don't do it. Although, I kind of have a feeling they will. All right, uh, next one, Matt Barnes. Um, seven. I don't think Barnes's market will be overwhelming and I think that they have enough bullpen spots that are sort of iffy right now that that's the nicest possible get... way anybody could ever describe this Red Sox bullpen <laughs> yeah I don't know what's got come over me here um yeah I just I just think that they unless they get bowled over they're gonna prefer to hold him and trade him for one of those elevated uh prices at the trade deadline if that's available yeah, I mean that seems to make the most sense. I would I would almost put it at a ten, um, just yeah. for the reasons he's saying. I think I think if they want to contend, they can do that with Matt Barnes as your second or third best piece in the bullpen. 
um, they would need to bring at least one guy in above him, but that could, like, if things break right, they could build a contending, contending bullpen with that framework, and then if the season does go south, like you said, you can, relievers are the position where you get more value at the deadline. Um, so yeah, I think, I would not be surprised if Barnes is on an, in, on another team to end next year, but to begin next year, I would be pretty surprised if he wasn't on the Red Sox. Yeah, teams would have to be paying real full retail. Uh, Jackie Bradley Jr. Oh, I was like ruining you getting to this one. Um, this is the guy who I'm just so unsure about. So what I actually have talked myself into is wanting the Red Sox to sign him to like a three-year deal. Um, I think that would actually be smart. For the team to do it and I think he might actually take that because of the market my gut tells me he's gone but I'm going to say a 5 just just to completely hedge on this um, the market sucks at center field it's you know Marisnik, Kevin Pillar guys like that um, they're not going to sign Springer which we'll get to later in my opinion uh, a couple of the trade candidates I mentioned Pollock, Kiermaier Albert Almora Jr., uh, I just don't think that they're better options than just signing Jackie Bradley Jr. And um, the franchise needs some good news, uh, and I think Jackie is just a joy to watch. So I kind of hope they pay him, but I think someone else might give him more. Yeah, I think I'm at a three. Um, I've been a little higher in the past. I don't think it's going to happen anymore. I don't think the Red Sox will give him a three-year deal. I don't know that I'd give him a three-year deal. Um, I think the Red Sox want him on a one-year deal, and that only happens if his market collapses, which isn't totally out of the question, considering the kind of player he is and the kind of players that usually get squeezed in free agency, but the fact that you mentioned earlier that the center field market is so weak is probably, I think, going to push him out the door. Uh, something that I've thought about, I think we have a question about this later, and something I've mentioned this before. People keep talking about moving Benintendi into center. I would toy around with moving Verdugo into center and finding somebody that can play right field. Obviously, they still need to be a really good defensive player to play right field at Fenway, um, but I would at least feel more confident with Verdugo in center than Benintendi. But I think whatever route they go, they're going to have to get creative with it because I just I don't really see the Bradley reunion happening as much as I would like it to. Yeah, I think the Bradley reunion happening almost hinges on um, Benintendi getting traded. It makes more sense for the roster if you're signing Jackie Bradley Jr. to a three-year deal. If you are planning to do something shorter term or more temporary in left field and have that be sort of a bridge to Jaron Duran, because I don't think Jaron Duran is your future center fielder based on yeah, we disagree what on his current fielding is like. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I, I think uh, Jaron Duran right now is just a little bit raw to play a good center field, and I think he's plenty athletic enough, but I just think that he plays better in a corner. Yeah, I mean, you're certainly not alone there, and Lord knows I'm always been extremely high on Jaron Duran. Um, I think he reminds me a lot of Jacoby Ellsbury. That's clearly not a very original thought by me. Um, but I think if we think back to Ellsbury's career path, he was not a very good defensive center fielder early in his career. He was just crazy fast that it made up for it. Um, and then as he got more time there, sort of as he was hitting his peak with the Red Sox, he became a guy who was a really good defensive center fielder, taking out the arm part of it. But just in terms of getting good jumps and taking good routes, he got much better at that, and I think that's something you can improve at, especially with Duran, who played infield until a couple of years ago, so he's still new to the position. So um, I've certainly talked to people that are with you and don't think he's a center fielder, but I I think he's the... he. That's the reason I wouldn't give Bradley a three-year deal, is just because I think Duran is the guy do you think um that his arm will like so I, I guess this is kind of a weird question because the Red Sox have had 
weak armed center fielders before. They've John had, Damon, Andrew Cody. Uh, <laughs> yeah, like both of those guys' arms were kind of garbage. But and, and Coco's arm was like pretty good, but not like those guys, or or not. You know what I'm saying? Uh, not JBJ's arm. Now that they have had a guy with JBJ's cannon in center field, like. Is that going to be a deficiency that gets noticed very easily if they swap that out for somebody with just like a fringy arm? It's not something I would be super concerned about um, as long as he can do everything else, as long as he can hit, as long as he can cover the ground and make the catches. Um, Like you said, they've lived with it before. Obviously, in an ideal world, your center fielder has a better arm, but um, I think you can only check off so many boxes. If you could pick one of those two guys to be on the team next year out of JBJ or Andrew Benintendi, who would you rather have on the team? Oh, man. Probably, I mean, as a fan, definitely Bradley. I mean, I don't think the same one is more fun to watch. But in terms of just baseball, I think there's an argument for Benintendi. Um, hmm. Because I think there's a decent chance he bounces back, and then at that point... Um, he's still like arbitration eligible and you can still work out something longer term and he's the younger player and it's better for the future. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if, it, if the Red Sox were more of a win now team, I would probably lean more towards Jackie Bradley, but just in the position they're in. Yeah, it's very fair. All right. Last few, um, our prospects and we're going to start with the guy we just spent a while talking about. Do you think Jaron Duran comes up at all next year? Uh, yeah, I will give it a 8 out of 10 that he gets a, co- a cup of coffee towards the end of the season. Uh, I think that his swing change is so legit, uh, and his power, especially pull side power, looks awesome right now. Um, I'm really bullish on Jaron Duran. I think he's going to be a future 2030 guy. Easy. Jeez. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I agree. Not with the twenty thirty in it. I don't know. Twenty sounds like a lot. I don't know if I've totally bought into the power that much, but he's yoked, man. Have you seen him? He's 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 strong. I know. I know. I just I I try not to really take anything into account from this alternative site stuff. Um, just because they're seeing the same picture like every day, it's kind of a weird situation. But yeah, I think. I mean, I <laughs> yeah. like I said, I really like Jaron Duran. I think the Red Sox really like Jaron Duran. So I'm with you. I think he gets a cup of coffee at the end of the year. Um, I hesitate a little bit just because they don't do 40-man rosters in September anymore, so finding that spot isn't as easy. But if they're not good, then they'll be able to find the spot. Uh, Jeter Downs? Um, two. I don't think Jeter Downs is up next year. Uh, I think there is enough for him to work on still. And... Uh, I guess I just think that um, I think they want to see his tools play out a little bit more loudly. Um, the feedback that the I can't remember who it was. I think it might have been the farm director said about him um, from the alternate site was kind of interesting. Uh, and it seemed like they were kind of dogging his work ethic a little bit too. Um, they said basically that around seven o'clock he's going to show up but you know before that he needs to take it more seriously i thought that was all a little bit damning not not for the long term i still love the player but i kind of think that they'll keep him down the entire year just to have him work on stuff Hmm. i uh yeah i people have been down on towns because of those comments um and i kind of felt like i was the low guy on downs for a while but i think I'm not really taking those comments to mean much of anything, um, and I think he is going to be up next year. Um, I think that they're not going to do anything at second base, and I think they are probably going to be bad enough by like mid-August, and Jeter Downs is going to be doing well enough in the minors, hopefully there's a minor league season, that they'll just be like, let's just get this started and get his feet wet before 2022. So what's your number? Uh, Seven. Okay. I'm about the same. Hey, on I would be happy with that. That's that's interesting. I um I'm really high on downs too. I don't want people to get the impression that because I'm reading into those comments uh, that I don't like him. I actually love the player still. Uh, I just I think or, orgs can be weird about promoting guys sometimes. Yeah, that's that's true. Uh, Brian Mata. 
Uh, one. I think there's still a lot of refining to do in Brian Mata's game, and I don't think that they're going to rush pitching. Yeah, I think I'm with you. I think I would go like a three. Um, I mean, if he comes out firing next year and he's just like putting up crazy numbers, then I think they won't have a choice, especially since he'll be on the 40-man. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm with you. I don't think they're going to rush him, and I've, I'm relatively low on Mata, so I don't necessarily see him just like shoving and making his way onto the roster. Uh, and the last one... My opinion, the best prospect in the system. I don't know that it's particularly close. Uh, Tristan Casas. Oh my god, I love this guy. Uh, I think he's a future All Star. Um, I think zero. I don't. I don't see any way that he right, gets. Well, that's on a scale of one to promoted. Um, <laughs> I. <laughs> I am so fascinated by what they're going to do with Tristan Casas next year. I would say it's like a two. Um, I, you think they're gonna start him in Portland? I think they're gonna start him in Portland. I think they'll start him in Portland, but I think they want to give him a full year. I don't even know if I will be mildly surprised if he even ends in Worcester. See, I think he's gonna here's get full here's the thing though. I think I agree that that's the plan, but once you get to Double A. If you're performing, it doesn't matter what the plan is. Like, if Tristan Casas just goes nuts and has, like, a 950 OPS in July, I mean, we've seen it before with guys. I mean, Casas is obviously younger than some of these other guys, but, I mean, I think back to, like, Andrew Benatendi and Rafael Devers. These are guys that got really hot in the first half of the year in Portland, went to Pawtucket for, like, 10 days, kept hitting, and then they were like, all right, well, we got to bring him up. So I, I'm not predicting this with Casas. Like I said, I have it at like a two. But I think there's a scenario there where he just goes buck wild, especially if uh, Bobby Dalbeck isn't really performing. And if Tristan Casas, like I said, he has like a 950, something like that, OPS for the first half of the year in Portland, we're going to start hearing the whispers, and I wouldn't be surprised if he came up in like mid-August. I will just say, though, that was under Dombrowski. Heim Bloom, look at the Rays, man. They still haven't brought up Wander Franco after everything. Different organization. I don't think that applies. So you don't think that those characteristics carry over at all with Bloom? I'm not I sure. I don't think if that's Bloom's true. the only guy making that decision. So you think he'll get pressure from the owners? Not necessarily pressure, but I think they'll. I think they might be in his ear a little bit, and also I think the rest... I mean, Bloom isn't the only guy in the front office, you know what I mean? Like Brian O'Halloran, these guys have had success, especially with position players, in the way that they develop players and with their scheduling. And so I think if he has enough... I think Bloom... I think we underrate how much input non-Bloom people get in this front office, and I think if enough of them are pushing fair being that aggressive and again i want to stress that i don't think this is likely but i think it is possible i think if there's enough people in his ear both from ownership and other people in the front office i don't think he would hold him back just for the sake of holding him back i also think that bobby dalbeck would have to be performing pretty bad i don't think that's outside the realm of possibility <laughs> oh i don't either i don't I definitely that's why don't i mean that's why it. i headed it too because you have to have multiple things that aren't necessarily yeah. like super likely to happen but i if you had asked me this two months ago, I would have been with you with the zero, which isn't even on the scale. But I don't know. Maybe I just want to dream a little bit. Maybe I don't know what it is. But I see a scenario where it happens. I mean, we've just seen it with guys before, and I think Casas is that kind of special hitter. I do too. Um, and just to put it in perspective, I know that there have been a lot of lists that have kind of Casas downs one, two, and some people even have downs ahead of him. I don't think it's very close between those two players. I, I think Casas has real, like, best hitter in the lineup type potential. Like, maybe not quite Rafi, but, like, that type of power. Yeah, I mean, I, I think most, I think more people at uh, Downs won than Casas won last year. I don't think that'll be the case this year, but um, I don't think it was necessarily unfair. I didn't agree with it, but you look at the positional value and plus downs was higher up the ladder um i mean there was Mm -hmm. logic to it sure 
All right, so that is that. We have a few listener questions. I want to get out of here. So the first question, we already talked about the first part. Um, existential Judge Dredd was asking um, about potential manager candidates outside of Cora that were interesting to us. Uh, we talked about that for a while up top, so we won't go back over that. But uh, they also ask, what year will the Red Sox be back above the luxury tax threshold? I think it will be the 2022 season. So you don't think they're going I think to they'll spend pretty big. Oh, really? Wow. No, I was asking you. No. Oh, oh, no, I don't think so. I wouldn't be no. surprised. I don't think they're going to blow by it, but if things if things break right, if talented players start to fall through the cracks, I wouldn't be surprised if they go over it by like 5-10 million. I don't think we're going to see them like absolutely blow by and go over like the third threshold or whatever, especially um, after they just laid off 10% of their staff, I don't think that be would be yeah, the optics of then spending that much on payroll probably wouldn't be the best, but um, I wouldn't be surprised if they go over. I don't know that I would necessarily predict it, but I don't I don't think it's going to be some big some big obstacle, especially with the CBA changing. People keep talking about not wanting to start the penalties. I've seen this a few times. It's like we don't know what the penalties are going to be next year. We can't right. think like that. Yeah. Uh, around the Diamond podcasts, asks, how do you see the outfield situation working out? So we kind of talked about that a little bit, but I don't know if you had anything more. A more firm um, prediction. I think it's it's so hard for me to make a firm prediction about JBJ, but um, I think Verdugo stays in center field. I think Jackie Bradley Jr. gets re-signed. Stays in right field. Uh, yeah, sorry. Stays in right field. Um, Jackie goes to center field, stays in center. Um, and I think they sign a left fielder. In trade, Benatendi? Yep. I think I do not endorse this. I think it would be a mistake. I think they're going to put Benatendi in center and sign a left fielder. Oof. I hate it, too. Well, if it's Ozuna, I guess I can stop. I don't it. think it's going to be Ozuna. <laughs> I wouldn't. You think it's going to be Brantley? If Brantley doesn't get the qualifying offer, I think that makes a ton of sense. Uh, but I mean, I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if it was like Jock Peterson or something like that. Ugh. I God. said I didn't All endorse right. it. Yeah. No uh, Mike Toomey asks Is one year of Bauer worth losing that second rounder, considering you could either trade him in July or recoup a similar pick by putting a qualifying on him next year? Um, first of all, just before you answer, they can't do the second part of that um players can no longer be qualifying offered twice um but do you think just the general question do you think that would be worth it for power for one year um no i don't think so um not with where the team is right now and how much money that pick will be worth out of their bonus pool yeah i don't think i'm not sold that trevor bauer is some sort of star level pitcher I think he's more good than great um, and then there's also the whole having a bad personality part of it <laughs> but even even beyond that just looking at the baseball stuff I don't think I would want the Red Sox signing Bauer for one year or for three years or for five years or whatever it may be um, I also don't buy that he's signing a one year deal do you think he's actually going to do that? No, I I actually would say it would be worth it for the Red Sox to lose it if they were signing him to a multi-year deal because I do believe the talent is that good, but one-year deal, hell no. He said he was going to do all one-year deals, but I definitely don't think he's going to. I'm calling his bluff. Yeah, no, I mean, it's Trevor Bauer. Yeah. Uh, and then the last question comes from our Marlins sister site, Fish Stripes. Uh, what do you want for Christian Vasquez for the Marlins? So what I actually want from the Marlins, I don't think they'll give me, but Edward Cabrera um, is what I would oh, want I was gonna for say, Christian Vasquez. I was going to say six, though. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I'm, I guess I'm not going quite as pie in the sky. So I didn't ask for six, though, or Max Meyer or Jazz Chisholm, but I, I think Edward Cabrera would be the guy straight up that I'd want for him. If I didn't get Edward Cabrera, I would want Braxton Garrett and Peyton Burdick. I, I don't know nearly enough about the Marlins prospects that have any sort of real take but I would definitely want one of their three their sort of big three young arms in, yeah so Cabrera, Meyer Sixto. no I'm talking about on their major league roster 
Sixto oh, Lopez Alcantara. <laughs> oh, dude, Lopez would be sweet. Yeah, I know it's not going to happen, but I don't. Want, I also don't want to yeah. trade uh, Christian Vasquez. So. Yeah, no, I, I tough like nogies. Yep. All right, we'll end it with tough nogies. Uh, let's see, how am I supposed to do this? You can rate, subscribe to us on all of the po- uh, podcast places. You can leave us reviews only if they're five stars. I don't think I'm allowed to say that, but I'm going to say it anyways. Um, let's see, you can follow us on Twitter. I run the Over the Monster account at Over the Monster. Jake is at Dev Jake. Uh, you can read all of our writing at OverTheMonster.com where. Uh, we will be getting pretty hot and heavy with off-season stuff pretty soon, so stay tuned for that. Uh, get everything? I think All so. Right, let's get out of here. <laughs>